We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack-A-Day Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome into the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. If you are listening on YouTube, please make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Would greatly appreciate that. If you are listening to the audio version of the podcast, please make sure to subscribe and like. Give that five star rating. It does a ton for us here at the podcast. So uh, if you're looking for some way to help the podcast in some way, shape, or form, please feel free to do one of those two things. Or of course, you can always tell us friend about us as well. We would always appreciate that, but enough of that. Let's get in today's, into today's show. I want to kick things off in a moment and go over my main topic for today, which is what Green Bay really needs to get cleaned up over these final two weeks of the regular season if they want to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I think we can go ahead and say that they're, they're absolutely within the conversation uh, of being Super Bowl contenders. They are one of the top teams on the list, if not the top team on the list. More on that in a moment, but I still think if all of us are being honest, there's still some things that they can clean up. There's things that Kansas City and Tampa and Dallas and any other contender that you want to put on that list can clean up as well. So today we'll hone in on and focus in on what Green Bay can still improve, especially and hopefully over the last two weeks of the regular season so they can be hitting on all cylinders once the playoffs come around. Speaking of the playoffs, and before we get to our main topic, I do want to go over and update the recent playoffs standings now that uh, Sunday is in the books and we had a lot of games that affected the current playoff seeding. So if we want to look at it as of right now, especially after Dallas beating Washington ever so handily, we've got the Packers as the number one seed, the Cowboys as the number two seed, the Rams at three, the Bucks at four, Arizona at five, San Francisco at six, and Philly at seven. Now New Orleans and Miami play on Monday night football. That could potentially alter the bottom of the NFC standings if New Orleans wins that game 
New Orleans doesn't get in. It doesn't put them in. However, it does flip Philly and San Francisco. So Philly would move to the sixth spot. San Francisco would move to the seven. If New Orleans loses, San Francisco stays at the six. Philly stays at the seven for now. Again, of course, two full weeks remaining and those seeds will change, I'm sure, quite a bit between now and then. But again, as of right now, Green Bay, Dallas, Rams, Bucks, Cardinals, 49ers, and Eagles, one through seven. So that would currently set up matchups that would put the Packers on a bye week. Cowboys against the Eagles at home in Dallas. Rams against the 49ers in LA, which would be a phenomenal game. And then Bucks Cardinals in Tampa Bay, which would be a really fun matchup as well. And again, it just goes to show you how important that that, that, that number one seed is for so many different reasons. Of course, the bye week, of course, COVID we know can ravage any team at any moment. So having one less game that you have to play eliminates some of that risk a little bit more, but also going up against potentially Arizona or San Francisco in a first round game. I know both of those teams definitely have their flaws, uh, but those teams can give uh, any team trouble and could win on any given Sunday. I think I'm fair in saying that. So uh, avoiding a couple of those matchups would be huge. And any of those teams were ranked two, three, or four could have to match up with Arizona, San Francisco, maybe Minnesota finds their way to get in. Although with their loss, they're down to about 11% chance of making it to the playoffs and Green Bay could put a final nail in that coffin with a victory at Lambeau Field on Sunday Night Football next week. But Again, those are the current uh, matchups. If we're looking at what's so important to Green Bay going into week 17, the first of course, is that Packers win over the Minnesota Vikings. But if they could couple that win, uh, win over the Vikings with a Dallas loss to Arizona in Dallas, and again, it's not an easy matchup against the Cardinals, and it'll be a game that the Cardinals are very much going to want to win. If that happens, the Packers would clinch the number one seed, a bye week and home field advantage in week 17. And that game against Detroit in week 18 would not mean anything. Now, you can argue all you want, whether or not that that's the best thing for Green Bay, giving them basically two bye weeks into the divisional round. We've seen teams that have struggled with that in the past. It would still be my preferred uh, path to the playoffs, giving Aaron Rodgers more time off on that toe, giving more time for Jair and Z and David Bakhtiari, et cetera, et cetera, to get healthy. It, it just, to me, that is the best way to the playoffs. I think this is a team that I know they just had a buy, but could use a little bit more rest if given the opportunity. And I think, again, from a long-term standpoint, potentially giving Jordan Love some snaps in week 18 against the Lions could be beneficial as well. So that would be the path to me that would be ideal. I know that there's a lot of people that don't like that double buy, basically double buy and having that much time off between playing competitive football. And I do think there's at least something to it, right? Where you're off for two weeks. Meanwhile, the team that you're going to be playing just won a huge playoff game the week before. Uh, that team's going to have a ton of momentum where you're probably going to have a little rust from uh, playing for two weeks off. But overall, again, that's still unquestionably the route that I think would be most beneficial for Green Bay. But the, the, the biggest point here is there's no perfect avenue, right? At the end of the day, you have to play the teams that are ahead of you. Whether you play two or three games before the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. You just have to navigate it one week at a time. I know that's the old coaching cliche, but it's a million percent true come playoff time. And if you're not just playing one week at a time and focusing on what's ahead of you, uh, you're, you've really probably lost the week at hand. So I, I still think that there's a lot to go on here and what seed Green Bay gets and who they have to face. Uh, but we'll see. That, again, I think the biggest takeaway here is that they could, they could clinch that number one seed and a first 
round bye with a win over the Minnesota Vikings. And again, even if Dallas does win that game against Arizona, Green Bay still controls their destiny. Wins over Minnesota and Detroit in the next two weeks would still clinch that number one seed and a bye week and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So a lot going Green Bay's way still throughout the remainder of the season, especially if they can finish off those last two games. Speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, because again, it's the team that uh, is you know, really the, the only team that's potentially could knock off Green Bay in all likelihood off that number one line. I was insanely impressed with the Cowboys against Washington on Sunday Night Football. Now, I'll say this, Washington was a mess. You could see the, the fight on the sideline. You could, like Again, you, culture in the NFL, team culture goes a long way. Washington's team culture is amongst one of the worst in sports. I know that, you know, their new coaching staff and regime has done the best possible to sort of try to get that on the right path, but it, it really takes time to kind of figure that all out. And you can tell Washington's still fighting through some of that stuff right now. But I, the way Dallas played, if, if Dallas and Green Bay end up matching up, I'm not giving that matchup to Dallas in any way, shape, or form. I would still like Green Bay's chances quite a bit, but I do think Dallas could pose a lot of questions and a lot of problems for the Packers overall. First and foremost, you know, the Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons pass rush up front against Green Bay's tackles. I mean, Micah Parsons has the ability to win so quick. We've seen the propensity for Dallas's defense to get turnovers. They're playing incredibly fast. They can match up um, in a variety of different ways with Green Bay's offense. And then, oh, by the way, there are some similarities with Minnesota's offense, the way that Dallas kind of goes about things. I know Zeke isn't exactly Delvin Cook, but Tony Pollard's a heck of a football player. And I don't think that like Zeke and, and Pollard are that far off from, from Cook and Madison, although I would give a, 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 more than a slight edge to, to Minnesota in that battle. But more importantly, you also have you, you know Cooper and Lamb, very similar to two wide receivers on the outside and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen that gave Green Bay a ton of trouble. Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, similar O-lines. I don't think it's that crazy to say that Dallas could have some success against Green Bay's defense in a similar way that Minnesota did when they met when they matched up about a month ago. So Dallas is definitely a team that I'm kind of keeping a closer eye on. I know it was just against Washington and I know Dallas has had some struggles this season uh, in a variety of different ways. So in no way am I crowning Dallas and saying, you know, there's your future NFC champion and, and they'll be the team representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I would really love and enjoy the the matchup between Matt LaFleur and, and Mike McCarthy and, and how that would favor Green Bay, in my opinion. But I do think, again, Dallas has the ability to pose a lot of very difficult questions for Green Bay on offense and on defense. And it would take a lot from Green Bay, I think, to, to win that football game. And I'm not saying that they'd have to play superhuman, right? I think if they play their brand of football, they're going to beat anyone. If Green Bay doesn't turn the ball over, plays efficient on offense and plays up to their standard on defense, the way that we've seen them play at times this season, they're, they're winning the Super Bowl. I wholeheartedly believe that if they play their brand of football. Um, but I think if there's going to come a time where they're going to face some really tough teams and have to overcome adversity. And it, we've seen that in the last couple of years in games against Tampa and San Francisco, and they haven't been able to do that. So we know something similar is probably going to happen in this playoffs where they're going to have to do that. And it's going to be whether or not they're up to the task. I think they're going to be. Uh, but that Dallas team, again, after especially watching them on Sunday night, uh, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how they enter the playoffs and if they end up being an a, you know, opponent likely in the NFC Championship game, if that comes to fruition um, 
in the playoffs for Green Bay. So we will see what happens there. Wanted to touch on one other thing really quick, a couple other things really quick, but one of them is this DVOA computer rankings and the Packers being overrated and not, you know, Super Bowl favorite darlings or stuff like that. Listen, I enjoy looking at all that stuff. And I think DVOA has a lot of, um, a lot of really interesting information and it's something that I definitely look at and use. I think it can definitely be predictive. I think that um, some of the, the the numbers and formulas and analytics that point to, you know, Green Bay's overall success or, you know, lack thereof at times, I think is important to look at. And I think it is worth always noting as you're looking at the Packers and how they can perform come playoff time. And those formulas and, and, and data points haven't exactly been wrong the last couple seasons when Green Bay ultimately flamed out against Tampa Bay and San Francisco. So if the same similar formulas that are saying, hey, beware of the Packers come playoff time are saying it again this year, I think it's worth listening. However, 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 I would like to say that what Green Bay's done these last three seasons under Matt LaFleur I don't care so much what the computer formulas say. And I cheekily, you know, half-heartedly joked on on Twitter, you know, when they uh, once again, you know, Ben Baldwin's saying that, you know, the, the the Packers are, you know, not matching up when it comes to the computer formulas and stuff like that. You know, I have to like I basically said, you know, yes, the Packers are absolutely abysmal when it comes to facing computers. Um, if not for their, what, 41 and whatever crazy record that Matt LaFleur has over the last three seasons, I think we'd legitimately be talking about Matt LaFleur being on the hot seat. And of course, fully tongue in cheek, uh, because that's all that matters is what your record shows and how you perform. And we, we talk about it every week. We talked about it this week against the Browns. Like you don't apologize for winning football games. And there's going to be games where you have down weeks and it's going to be important that you still figure out a way to win. And in seasons where the Chargers just lost to the Texans and the Cardinals just lost to the Lions. And I mean, pretty much every good team has an awful loss on their record. I, just to me, how Green Bay has performed and being the number one team record-wise in the NFL, that matters and that matters a lot. And winning close games and difficult games and winning games where you didn't play pretty or sometimes didn't play well matters a lot. Because those are the type of games that you usually get into in the playoffs are games where it's not going to go perfect and you have to find a way just to win ugly. And I think Green Bay has a lot of experience doing that over the last three seasons. And I, yes, I do think that has value. I don't think that's predictive of future failure. I think that's predictive that they can get in those games and still find ways to win. Now we're going to talk about in just a bit, some of the things that Green Bay can still clean up. I don't need plot points and data points to tell me that Green Bay needs to get better in certain areas if they want to win a Super Bowl. I a million percent agree with that. And I don't need a chart or a graph to tell me that. And again, that's not disparaging any of the analytics or numbers out there. I love that stuff. And I think it's super important. I think it's just, it's really important to use every piece of information to your advantage when you're looking at this, including win-loss record in the team that's currently the best record in the NFL. And the last thing I'll very quickly say about this is, is you can point to like, well, who is Green Bay beaten or like things like that, whatever, right? Who, who is any team beaten? And what I mean by that is there, there's like three or four good teams right now. Can't what Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, you know, maybe you put Dallas in that conversation. Um, 
I mean, maybe you're you, maybe you're higher on the Rams. Like, th- there's a handful of of good teams. Like, I think that are are certainly in this conversation right now. But I don't think there's any team that you're just pointing to. I, I think the Chiefs are on an amazing streak right now and could. We said all year long, and I said all year long, all they have, have to do is get hot on offense again, and they're going to be the scariest team in football. Well, here we are. But I don't think there's any team that you can point to this season and look at their win-loss record and the teams that they've lost to and the teams that they beat and say, there's there's it, there's your champion. There's just no way. I don't see it. I think everyone has bad losses on their their record. I think everyone has a lot of bad wins on their record because there's a lot of mediocre to bad teams in the NFL. Or And I think we're at a point in the NFL from a parity standpoint where I don't think there's a a team that you can point to and say they're the the favorites and I don't think you can look at you know the majority of the league and say like you know they're just a you know the middle of the league I should say and say like this team's better than the other there's like 15 20 you know 15ish teams probably that are right in that same middle tier that you're all like these are all just about the same team and any given Sunday they can beat anyone and again I don't think even the top handful of teams are that much better than that the, the middle of the pack there so I think it's going to make for an insanely interesting playoffs when you put in the amount of parity and, and how thin the separation is between what I think are going to be some of the number seven seeds and even some of the number one and two seeds. I think the separation there isn't great. Add in all the injuries that are currently going through the NFL, add in all the COVID issues that are fighting, th- you know, going through the NFL and, and teams are having to fight through. I think it's a, going to be a completely up for grabs playoffs and Super Bowl. And I think it should make it very entertaining. And oh, by the way, the teams that know how to win ugly, the teams that have gone through adversity and faced a ton of big injuries and have fought through that, I think are going to be battle-tested and ready for this playoff experience. Green Bay's had COVID issues. Green Bay's had a ton of injury issues to key players. Green Bay has fought through adversity. They've played ugly games. They've won ugly games. I think that's only going to make Green Bay better come playoff time. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices in all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota, going to be heading west for that game, attending my first game in the new Viking Stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, the last thing before we get into our main topic, Aaron Rodgers labeled Devontae Adams as the best player that he's ever played with, which is high praise considering there's Charles Woodson and Aaron Rodgers and a plethora of other very talented players. I don't disagree with them. And I think to me, it's it's Woodson. I mean, the Woodson, Favre, and, and Rodgers are, or Woodson, Favre, and uh, Adams are all in that same, you know, category, right? They're all in that that same level. I think all of them are, are clearly Hall of Famers and Farvin Woodson already are and, and Adams to me is as well. And when you get a you know resounding uh you know statement like that from from Aaron Rodgers, I think that goes a, a very long way also. I, I've said for a while the 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 two players to me that you ju- you just watch them and they're just pure different are are Charles Woodson and Devontae Adams. Like you can just tell that players don't play the way they play and what they have from an instincts and an artistic standpoint when playing the game is just different and it's special and it's so fun to watch and there's no player that there's no former packer that i miss watching more than charles woodson and the same thing will be said for me personally when Devonte adams is either on another team or when he hangs it up because Watching him go out, and I've said this so many times before, and I'll say it again, watching Devontae Adams in a practice is near perfection. Like, you want to see how a player like Devontae goes about things and trains the right way, watch him in a random training camp practice and how focused he is at mastering his craft, getting better, getting his teammates better. He's a technician. He is a master. He is an artist. He is whatever word you want to put in there. And I would not argue with Aaron Rodgers in one way, shape, or form that Devontae is the best player that he's ever played with. He is in that conversation for sure. And I'm not going to argue against anyone that puts him on that 1A line because he's that damn good and he's a very special player and enjoy him. And this could very well be uh, the last you know handful of games that we get to see Devontae Adams in a Packers jersey. It's going to be insanely difficult for both Rodgers and Adams to be on this team next year. It's not impossible, just insanely difficult. And I think if Rodgers is back, it almost lessens the chance that Adams is back, as crazy as that sounds, and almost vice versa. I think you're probably looking at only being able to keep one of those. I hope I'm wrong. I very much hope that I'm wrong. Um, And it wouldn't be the first time and it won't be the last. 
but it's going to be very difficult to keep both. So just remember that from a, and I'm not as like a, this isn't a doom and gloom message of like, they're gone, see you later, whatever. It's just a message of enjoy it while it's here and while it's happening because it's special and it should be enjoyed and don't take it for granted because it could unfortunately be gone sooner rather than later. All right, let's get to our main topic for today. What does Green Bay need to get cleaned up over their final two games of the season if they want to be legitimate, true Super Bowl contenders, or maybe better put like Super Bowl favorites, because we know they're Super Bowl contenders. What do they need to do to be the, the favorites and ultimately win the Super Bowl? Number one on my list, and these aren't in any specific order, but number one on my list is fix the slow starts. All right, this is Green Bay's season so far and how they have started games. Against the Saints, down 17 to nothing. Against the Lions in week two, down seven to nothing. Finally, in week three against the 49ers, they go up 17-0. Interestingly enough, the 49ers actually come back and take the lead in that game, and Green Bay has to go down and score at the end. But finally, in week three, get a, a nice 17-0 lead and no slow start there. Then in week four against the Steelers, down 7-0, down 7-0 to the Bengals, down 7-0 to the Bears, tied 7-7 after one with Washington, down 7-0 to the Cardinals, down 13-0 to the Chiefs. Tied 0-0 after one with the Seahawks, down 16-3 to the Vikings. Finally, against the Rams, they go up 10-0 and get a nice lead in that game. Down 10-0 to the Bears, down 7-0 to the Ravens, down 6-0 to the Browns. So that is what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games where they were down, um, and then a couple others where they were tied and a couple where they were actually winning um, to start the game. But overall, they are getting off to a ton of slow starts. Very often they're down six or seven, nothing and down a touchdown very early in the game. And that's something that you might be able to get by with against the Browns, against the Ravens without Lamar Jackson, against the Bears a couple times. Like those are, you know, against the Lions, you can get away with it against those teams. You go down, you know, seven nothing, ten nothing, seventeen nothing, you know, to you know, whether it be the the Buccaneers or whether it be the Cowboys, you are in a world of trouble. So I think Green Bay has to clean up their slow starts and figure out a way to start much faster and then to play a complete football game. Cause even in the games they've started fast, they'll still have those lulls throughout the course of the game. So start faster and then figure out a way to stay, you know, all gas, no break, if you will, throughout the remainder of the game. Number two on my list is a reinvigorated run defense. I've, I've overall think or like up until the last couple of weeks, I've actually thought that Green Bay's run defense and their improvement has actually had actually gone well under the radar. And I thought, you know, not giving up a hundred yard rusher to any player at any point this season uh, had been really impressive. And then the Browns game happened. And to an extent, the Ravens game as well, especially that was mostly Tyler Huntley scrambling around, but more, more the Cleveland Browns where their beat up O-line goes, you know, allow or helps the, 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 the Browns, excuse me, go 25 carries, 219 yards with 8.8 .8 yards per carry, 8.8 yards per carry and over 200 rushing yards allowed. Now, even with the injuries, Cleveland is a very special run offense. They're one of the best in the league. Nick Chubb is one of the best in the league. Like they are a very, very good run offense, but you have to be better. You're going to see good run offenses, right? Like at some point, you're going to see the best of the best come come playoff time. And you are going to have to stop it. You don't want to get into another 49er situation where all they need to do is run the ball and you can't stop it. And it, it blows everything else up, right? Because you can't stop the run. 
you, they've got to get back to the point where they were playing earlier this season with much better run fits, much better tackling, gap integrity, setting the edge. That all went out the window against the Browns, and that is not a way to win football games, and it's certainly not a way to win playoff football games. So they've got to figure out a way to reinvigorate that run defense. Hopefully, Kenny Clark can get back to 100%, play you know play more snaps. But you know, I thought for a while there, the Dean Lowrys and the you know the Kingsley Kikis and the Tyler Lancasters, the TJ Slaytons were holding up much better. That went a little bit out the window this past week. They did not hold up quite as well. And then Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, those guys have to be able to set a firm edge. So it's just kind of rewinding a little bit and getting everything back to where it was maybe five, six, seven weeks ago, because we've seen this defense with these players be able to stop the run, which is very, very ugly against the Browns, and that cannot continue to happen. Number three is clean up the explosive plays on defense. To start the season, they were so good at limiting those explosive plays, but in the last five games, they've given up 19 plays of 20 plus yards. That's got to change. And I think that starts with the safeties, specifically Darnell Savage. It's not all of them. It's been on the corners a little bit as well. It's been on the tackling a little bit as well. Even last week, setting the edge led, you know, the lack thereof led to some explosive plays uh, in the run game off, off of tackle. So it, it takes everyone, right? But I think if they can start by being a little bit more safe on the back end with those safeties, not being so aggressive, taking better angles to the football, that's going to limit some of those explosive plays and allow Green Bay to be much more clean on the back end and give you a better chance to stop some of those explosive plays before they become backbreakers and and really allow teams to score or set up points uh, based on giving up some of those explosive plays. 19 in the last five games is just too many, and it's something that has to change as they get into these last couple weeks. Minnesota should be a good test on Sunday Night Football this week. Number four is just shoring up the offensive line. Of course, you would love for Turner and Bakhtiari and Myers all to get back, but I'm not even necessarily just talking that. I'm I'm specifically talking about run blocking, but overall, um, just their consistency. And again, the injuries are a huge key here, but the lack of explosive runs and figuring out what sort of their bread and butter is from a run blocking standpoint. Uh, You know, zone stretch had been really what was so good. Green Bay has struggled with that. They've gone kind of more inside zone and even some power options on offense. They've just got to figure out kind of what their go-to is and what they're really going to be good at and what they can, you know, kind of lean on when they need to develop or, you know, establish the run or certainly close out games late when they have the lead. They haven't done a great job of that. Going back to the explosive plays for a moment, this year they only have five runs of 20 or more yards. Last year they had 10 of over 20 or more in the regular season. So, Again, that was through 16 games last year. We're through 15 and five less runs so far of 20 plus yards. Uh, Green Bay averaged 4.8 yards per carry last year. Right now they're at 4.1 yards per carry. So I think shoring up the run blocking would go a long way. And while again, you know, Bakhtiari and Myers and, and Turner would certainly help with that. I do think Green Bay has the pieces to be able to run block better. I've seen physicality from Yash. I know Runyon can do it. Patrick is definitely a concern from a run blocking standpoint. There's no two ways about it. His run blocking has been really, really bad, and he just struggles uh, to really make any movement on bigger notes, tackles, and defensive tackles. So that's that's definitely a concern. 
uh, but I think Royce Newman can do it, and I think uh, even Dennis Kelly can do it as well. So they just got to find a way to establish something. We know Mercedes Lewis is effective. We know that Matt LaFleur has a lot of eye candy that he can give linebackers and defenses to open up some things. I just think they got to figure out what makes them successful running the football, and more importantly, just be better blocking up front to allow Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon the room that they need to operate to be those explosive runners on offense and set up some more explosive plays, which in turn sets up play action, and it just helps everything, right? So that would go a long way in helping this Packers team as they close out the season. Number five is figuring out their off coverage issues. And I know that off coverage has been a hot topic and it's been a little bit of a struggle as of late. I want to start by saying off coverage is in vogue. Every team is doing it. Every team is having success with it. You're making teams go the length of the field, and there's a lot that's really smart about it. We've seen interceptions this past week by even Shannon Sullivan is a great example of it, that playing off and having eyes on the football getting pressure on the quarterback and having him put balls up in the air that give your defense an opportunity to make plays, it can pay huge, huge dividends. And the interceptions this past week were a great example of that. However, what I do think they need to do is figuring out uh, is figure out when to do that, right? Because there's a time and a place and we have seen far too many third and long situations or third and shorts even where it's third and seven, fourth and seven, and you're playing nine or 10 yards off and players are picking up the first down easily underneath. Uh, we've seen the same thing on some fourth and 15, fourth and 16, where you're playing 20 yards off and a perfectly placed throw is able to pick up that first down. Off coverage has its benefits and there's no perfect coverage, whether it's press man, whether it's man off, whether it's zone off, whether it's zone press, it doesn't matter. Every every coverage has its strength and weakness. But what Green Bay needs to do a better job of is making sure that they're in the right coverage at the right time for the right reasons and playing far off coverage on third and fourth downs with conversions on the line in the ability to get off the field on the line, that to me is a mistake. And that's something that Green Bay has to do a much better job of cleaning up. And then last but not least, and I know we're beating a dead horse well past death at this point, but it's still special teams, right? And it was much better this week against Cleveland. So kudos there that they didn't screw anything up too bad. It was competent special teams, which is all we're asking for, uh, but they still need to find a way to be consistent with that. We think Mason Crosby is on the up and up and that field goal unit's on the up and up with the way that he's been kicking as of late. But overall, we've seen the special teams have the ability to lose games for Green Bay or at least come close to it. You don't want to see that rear its ugly head come playoff time and Green Bay lose a game because of their special teams. They have to be competent at minimum. And I think the, these last two weeks are a, way, a, a, a good way to hopefully continue to clean that up and hopefully carry over some momentum from this past week against the Cleveland Browns. That is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I always appreciate you. I will be. Uh, I will actually not be here tomorrow. It will be uh, Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney on the video version of the podcast, and I believe it's going to be Ross Uglum and Jake Morley on the audio version of the podcast. So either way, two dynamic teams that you're going to want to make sure to check out tomorrow. I will be back on the video on Wednesday, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. 